Seeing the end from the beginning is one of God's signature traits, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10. Imagine if you could see the end from the beginning, how different your life would be. You would have made all the right decisions, had all of the right friends, chosen the right education path for the right career choice, went for the right job, made the right investments, married the right spouse, raised your children the right way, it all would have gone the exact right way. It is so important to know that when one is surrendered to the will of God, one will make all the right choices. God is actually involved in the ordering of his children's steps. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-three: The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Psalms one nineteen one thirty three. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Have you ever stopped and asked God, what would you do if you were me? When God orders our steps, that doesn't mean we will live life without problems, but it does mean we will enjoy the benefit of living lives full of Holy Ghost solutions. We were promised a cup full of mixture in Psalm 75, 8. And Jesus instructs us, drink ye all of it, Matthew 26, 27. In that cup is a mixture, sweet and bitter, happiness and sorrow, health and sickness, life and death. It is all choreographed by God to work together for the good of the blood bought, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God, who knows the end from the beginning, and when we walk in his will, everything works together for the good, especially that which appears on the surface as bad. Ask God, what would you do if you were me? Dear friend, have you yet to be born again, born a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? As Jesus declares in John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a moment, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything changes for you today. Today, all of your sin and its shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. You will be clean. Today, all of the devil's bondages in your life will be broken. No matter how formidable they appear, you will be free. Today, you will become a new creature. Here is the prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the bright and shining kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Luke 17, 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. God said, Isaiah 28, verse 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. 
Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, I'm living the dream. No responsibility. I can fornicate without fear. The girls I hang with have ways to make sure they don't get pregnant. And if one slips by, they'll just terminate the baby in the womb. Cool, right? Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature 1167. They will once again certify the supernatural inerrancy of God's beautiful book, the Majority Text Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as a platform from which to engage the gainsayer. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May mercy and grace be multiplied unto you and your house. I need to know it's true. Everything depends upon it. Everything. Undeniable proofs, 396 to 400 follow. Undeniable proof, 396. Scientists' relatively new discoveries suggest that there are things such as black holes, wormholes, quantum physics, extra dimensions, and a parallel universe or universes. Once again, they are tripping over the Word of God, but they don't know they've stumbled. Science now theorizes that there may be an extra dimension or dimensions in which lives a parallel universe or metaverse. Our physical universe has three dimensions of width, height, and length. Einstein added time-space to the equation. Ephesians 3.18 clearly describes four dimensions. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. In the verse just read, two dimensions seem redundant, and they are depth and height. For the sake of this feature, the extra dimension depth will be the place where the invisible universe dwells that Jesus calls the kingdom of God. Again, Luke 17, 20 and 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The definition for depth and height could both satisfy the parameters to qualify as the fourth dimension of the invisible kingdom. We favor the dimension of depth. Noah Webster gives the following examples in his definition of depth. A deep place, the sea, the ocean, the abyss, a gulf of infinite profundity. The middle of height of a season as the depth of winter, or the middle, the darkest or stillest part as the depth of night, or the inner part of uh, a part remote from the border as the depth of a water forest. Abstruseness, ob ab obscurity, that which is not easily explored as the depth of a science. Unsearchableness, infinity, the breadth and depth of the love of Christ are its vast extent. There is a fourth dimension. There is an invisible metaverse, metaverse, excuse me, and it's called the kingdom of God. The extensive focus of the scriptures is instruction for walking in the spirit, which is this invisible kingdom. In the June 2011 issue of Discover Magazine under the heading The Hidden Reality, writer Brian Greene addresses the theoretical and evolving science behind the concept of black holes, wormholes, quantum physics, and a parallel universe or universes. 
These subjects have been addressed on God Said, Man Said, but in this feature, we will see today's scientist once again knocking on heaven's door. The following excerpts are from Green's article. While Andrew Hamilton delves into the extreme realities inside black holes, physicist Brian Green explains how properties at the black hole's surface, its event horizon, suggest the unsettling theory that our world is a mere representation of another universe, a shadow of the realm where real events take place. With its hegemony diminished, the universe has given way to other terms that capture the wider canvas on which the totality of reality may be painted. Parallel worlds, or parallel universes, or multiple universes, or alternative universes, or the metaverse, megaverse, or multiverse. They're all synonymous, and they're all among the words used to embrace not just our universe, but a spectrum of others that may be out there. If this line of reasoning is correct, then there are physical processes taking place on some distant surface. That much as a puppeteer pulls strings are fully linked to the processes taking place in my fingers, arms, and brain as I type these words at my desk. Our experiences here and that distant reality there would form the most interlocked of parallel worlds. Phenomenon in the two, I'll call them holographic parallel universes, would be so fully joined that their respective evolutions would be as connected as me and my shadow, end of quote. Oh yes, there is a parallel universe that is invisible to the natural eye. The Bible calls it the kingdom of God, and the amazing thing is that the believer is fully aware of it and literally traffics in it. Yes, there is an outside source, an outside shepherd, a good or evil one, dictating actions and leading to a final destination. The amazing thing is that we choose the shepherd, good or evil, and exactly opposite of each other. When science comes knocking at the door, it will discover that the children of the kingdom were already there the whole time. End of quote. The May 4, 2022 issue on LiveScience.com read, Our universe may have a twin that runs backward in time. The lead sentence of that article reads, A wild new theory suggests there may be another anti-universe running backward in time prior to the Big Bang. End of quote. The latest theory is not only an invisible universe traveling in the opposite direction of our present universe, but the issue began at the beginning. God said, man said, saints know something similar to the opposite universe. We know it as the 180-degree principle, or the principle of the opposites. It all began at our beginning in the Garden of Eden. A circle has 360 degrees, and at the 180-degree mark, one will be at exact opposite positions. Brief examples of the 180 and the dualities of the two camps, the two universes, and it would include God is love, Satan is hate. God is light, Satan is darkness. God is peace, Satan is turmoil. God is certainty, Satan is confusion. God is life, Satan is death. Notice like measures, but opposite ends of the yardstick. The opposites are ever so apparent than the two universes that are running parallel but in opposite directions. 
God's word admonishes concerning the invisible kingdom in 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our invisible kingdom moves in the opposite direction of the dark invisible kingdom that rules this world, and it started at the beginning. Again, from the feature, an invisible, yet so very visible, kingdom of God, part two. Something out of this world, unique and even bizarre, belongs to the born again. We once dwelt in their universe and sat in blind darkness, even as they presently do, and we thought their same vacuous thoughts. But one day, we saw for the first time, we saw a great light and were born again, born a most literal second time, this time of the Spirit of God. Born again is the portal by which we pass through the thinnest of membranes into the parallel and visible metaverse into the kingdom of God. Man, this is so beyond the lexicon. The invisible kingdom of God. We can look through the membrane that separates us and see the carnal, but they cannot see us. They are blind. We know their thoughts because we once thought them too, but our thoughts, they cannot think. They are spiritually dead and trespasses in sin, and they are fully ignorant of their dilemma. Is it true? Did Jesus get it right? Is there an invisible universe, the ultimate metaverse? Irrefutable proof is found in the marvelous miracle of a transformed life. Sons and daughters of God come into the kingdom in a variety of ways, and each testimony is different, but the results are always the same. They are born again, and yes, new creatures, brand new, and they have entered the invisible kingdom. I personally came out of deep devil bondage. I sat in darkness. I began to see little sparks of light. The Holy Ghost was drawing me to the light. I was in the valley of decision, and a, a mighty struggle between darkness and light raged. Satan's minions fought ferociously to keep the chains of my bondage secure, but the mighty word of God, Jesus Christ, prevailed. On the evening of November 8, 1970, my wife, of just a couple weeks, and I, we chose Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Satan's dark dungeon gates were busted wide open, and we saw the light. Out of the devil's blind bondage, we came stepping high, and with each step, the chains simply shattered. We were born again. Hallelujah! We had passed through the portal. Jesus calls born again into the invisible kingdom of God that science is beginning to detect, and which they call the invisible metaverse. And man... Is it real? I thank God for the prayers of the mighty saints who stood in the gap before the Lord on my behalf. The transformed life is proof of this invisible universe, the metaverse that Jesus calls the kingdom of God. Everything changes at born again, the portal to the new and opposite universe. A short time after giving my life to Christ, a young lady, a sales clerk at a men's clothing store, asked me what I did for fun. I was in the store selling advertising to the owner. Before salvation, I had managed his store, and he had given her parts of my testimony. 
I answered the young lady's question about what I did for fun. I told her, I read my Bible every chance I get. I pray, sing, and clap my hands unto the Lord in praise. I pass out gospel tracts to the unsaved. I go to church several times a week. I fellowship with the saints and win lost souls to Christ. That's what I do for fun. She looked at me incredulously. She couldn't see me. I was living in a universe invisible to her, but I could surely see her. Had she asked me that very same question just minutes before I gave my life to Jesus Christ, she would have received an answer absolutely 180 degrees out. Not one of the likes listed above would have been mentioned, not one. The born-again live in the invisible metaverse scientists now theorize exist. It's true. When one is born again, this is the actual portal by which the marvelous invisible kingdom of God is entered. Again, Jesus declares it so in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Everything is new and opposite in the glorious kingdom. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Like the wind, the results of this invisible kingdom are everywhere for the discerning eye to consider, and they move in opposite directions from the beginning. Certainly there is an invisible metaverse, and untold millions have passed through the Holy Ghost portal Jesus calls born again through the thinnest of membranes unto the other side. The beloved of the Lord know it is the kingdom of God, and they walk up and down in it every day. Once again, science is knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Yes, there is an invisible metaverse, and it travels north and south. We choose the direction, end of quote. Undeniable proof, 397, Genesis 49, verse 25. Even by the God of thy Father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. The mother's breast is a marvel of God's magnificent wisdom. Many features on God said, man said, address breastfeeding. Proof number 397 will highlight the baby's developing brain and how thousands of years ago, God's word associates the ability to learn with the mother's breast milk, wisdom only the Creator could know. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Mother's Breast is by far the best. I am compelled to preface this article on the subject of breastfeeding with this note to mothers who, for reasons such as adoption, various medications harmful to the child via the mother's milk, Mothers who are HIV positive or other reasons are not able to breastfeed, that God is more than able to supply your child's needs. Be sure of this one thing. God is fully aware of your inability to fulfill his directive concerning the matter of breastfeeding. Pray over your baby's formula and food before feeding your child, and you can be confident that God will supply that which is lacking. Man said that baby formula concocted by science was equal to or even superior to mother's breast milk. Starting in the late 1940s, breastfeeding began to fall out of favor nationally. By the 1950s, infant formula gained widespread endorsement from the pediatric community, and breastfeeding for millions of children and mothers became a thing of the past. 
Fewer than half of American babies are fed exclusively breast milk during their initial stay at the hospital. When the infants reach the age of six months, only 19% receive breast milk. And at the ripe old age of one year, only 2%. Now compare that with the global average of children being weaned from the breast at 4.2 years. The American Academy of Pediatrics now weighs in with the recommendation that for the baby's optimal health, a mother should breastfeed for at least a full year. The benefits of breastfeeding for mother and child are staggering. The list is long and ever increasing. The October 26, uh, 2015 feature written by New York Times columnist Nicholas Kristof is headlined, The Miracle of Breast Milk Elixir is Lifesaver. Several paragraphs follow. What if there were a remedy that could save more children's lives in the developing world than are claimed by malaria and AIDS combined? A miracle substance that reduces ear infections while seeming to raise scores on IQ tests by several points, available even in the most remote villages requiring no electricity or refrigeration. Oh, and as long as we're dreaming, let's make it free. This miracle substance already exists. It's breast milk. Current estimates backed by the World Health Organization and UNICEF are that optimal breastfeeding would save 800,000 children's lives a year in developing countries. That would amount to a 12% drop in child mortality, a huge gain. Infants who are not breastfed are 14 times more likely to die than those who are exclusively breastfed, according to a major meta-study just published by Active Pediatricia, a pediatrics journal. Worldwide, only 43% of babies are put to the breast within an hour of birth, as recommended by the World Health Organization. One reason for delays is suspicion of colostrum, the first yellowish milk, which doesn't look quite like milk, but is packed with nutrients and antibodies. It's sometimes called the first immunization. While the clearest benefits of breastfeeding have to do with saving lives, there is also some evidence of other health and cognitive gains. In Belarus, children of women randomly assigned to exclusive breastfeeding promotions scored six points higher on IQ tests than controls, end quote. Note the correlation of IQ and the Creator's declaration in Isaiah 28.9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Again from Science Daily, the feature Breastfeeding Linked to Higher Neurocognitive Testing Scores in Offspring. It was published April 27, 2021. The feature reads in part. New research finds that children who were breastfed scored higher on neurocognitive tests Researchers in the Del Monte Institute for Neuroscience at the University of Rochester Medical Center analyzed thousands of cognitive tests taken by 9- and 10-year-olds whose mothers reported they were breastfed and compared those results to scores of children who were not. Our findings suggest that any amount of breastfeeding has a positive cognitive impact even after just a few months, stated Daniel Adam Lopez, Ph.D. candidate, and the Epidemiology Program, which is first author on the study recently published in the journal Frontiers in Public Health. That's what's exciting about these results. Hopefully, from a policy standpoint, this could help improve the motivation to breastfeed. 
The headline of a July 16, 2022 feature published by Neuroscience News reads, Maternal milk tied to better school-age outcomes for children born preterm. Excerpts from this feature follow. Children who were born preterm are at a heightened risk of lower academic achievement in math, reading, and other skills, and are also at greater risk for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But a new study suggests that an intervention in the first weeks and months of a preterm infant's life may lead to better neurodevelopmental outcomes in latter years. In a study uh, that followed uh, preterm infants for seven years, investigators from Brigham and Women's Hospital, uh, together with collaborators at the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute, found that children who received greater quantities of maternal milk, both during and after time in the neonatal intensive care unit, had greater academic achievement, higher IQs, and reduced ADHD symptoms, end of quote. Something so basic and so marvelously created by God's own hand as mother's milk should be reverenced and honored by all, and yet it has been rejected for decades by the so-called wisest among us. It is still being shunned by many this very day. Oh, the hell we pay. God said, breastfeed your babies. Man cried, we have a better way. God's word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. Undeniable proof number 398. Until Charles Darwin popularized the foolishness called evolution, the consensus at large was that the age of the earth was in alignment with the Bible's book of Genesis. The time span between Adam and Eve's creation and Noah and the ark is 1,656 years. You can easily calculate the time yourself by adding up the span of years between the Father and the Son in the Bible's genealogical record, Genesis 5.3. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth, Genesis 5.6. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. As you add the genealogical spans between father and son, you will discover that it was 1,656 years from when Adam first opened his eyes to the global flood. Going forward from Noah, using genealogies, reigns of kings, and other noted dates, you will have discovered an earth and its universe just over 6,000 years of age. Carter and Leitner report in the spring 2016 issue of Creation Research Society Quarterly. Evolutionists place a time frame of when mitochondrial Eve lived by assuming common ancestry between humans and chimps and the evolutionary timescale. However, when measured mutation rates in mitochondrial DNA were used, Eve was calculated to have lived around 6,000 years ago. Of course, the evolutionists do not accept this time frame, so they have sought ways around the implications. More recent in-depth analysis of mitochondrial DNA has upheld this biblical time frame from humans and found the same pattern in other organisms as well. Both secular and creationist researchers have employed the empirical method of developing genetic clocks and have achieved similar outcomes, i.e., dates of creature origins well within the biblical time frame of 6,000 years. This research has involved the genetic analysis of humans, 
fruit flies, water fleas, and roundworms. A massive new genetic study by secular scientists analyzed the DNA of over 100,000 animal species using about 5 million DNA sequences. Researchers at the Rockefeller University and the University of Basel found that the amount of DNA variation among humans was about the same as that observed for each of the many animal species they studied. They also discovered that each kind of creature was genetically distinct, having clear genetic boundaries. When the researchers extrapolated this data into the time frames of origins, they discovered that about 90% of all animal life was roughly the same very recent age, a complete contradiction of evolutionary expectations, end quote. Undeniable proof, 399. The Christ deniers discount his very existence, though some only doubt the Bible's description of him, and entirely rejecting the New Testament as an accurate historic document. The following paragraphs are from the God Said, Man Said feature, The Man Who Crucified Christ, an Investigation. 1961 was a bad year for the deniers, and their fortunes have not improved in the 60-plus years since. Scholar Lawrence J. Mickey Toot spends considerable time identifying people included in the biblical narrative, using ancient descriptions and histories. His work is quoted in the following excerpt found on Deseret.com. Mickey Tuitt finds the uh, decisive documentation primarily in the writings of the historian Flavius Josephus and in ancient minted coins for the existence of not only of Herod the Great, but of his sons Herod Archelaus, Herod Antipas, Herod Philip, and Philip the Tetrarch his grandson, Herod Agrippa I, his granddaughter, Herodias, her daughter, Salome, named in Josephus, though not in the New Testament, where her infamous dance leads to the execution of John the Baptist, his great-grandson, Herod Agrippa II, who with Festus listened to the Apostle Paul's defense as described in Acts 25, 13, and 26, 32. His great-granddaughter, Bernice, or Bernice, the sister and perhaps the lover of Herod Agrippa II, who also attended Paul's defense, and his granddaughter Drusilla, who eventually married the Roman governor Felix. Perhaps more significantly than the previous characters, though, Mickey Tuit finds convincing extra-biblical evidence for five Roman legates and governors. Among them are Marcus Antonius Felix and Portius Festus, already mentioned above, who are described in Josephus and attested by coinage. Publius, uh, Sulpicius Quin, uh, Quinrinius, or Cyrenius, appears in Luke 2.2 and the writings of Josephus, but also turns up in the ancient stone Lapis Venetis inscription written in Latin that appropriately enough describes his ordering of a census for the Syrian city of Apamede. Lucius Junus Gallio, the proconsul of Archaea, Okay, excuse me, who sat as judge of the accusations against the Apostle Paul, see Acts chapter 18, is confirmed by an inscription found in Greece at Delphi in the late 19th century, end of quote. Undeniable proof number 400. Matthew 27, 15 through 25. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would, and they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, 
Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, have, nothing, have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Until 1961, the Christ deniers denied Pontius Pilate was a real historic figure. In 1961, the Pilate Stone, a dedicatory stone from the theater at Caesarea Maritima, located on Israel's northern coast, was unearthed again from the feature of the man who crucified Christ in investigation. The March 14, 2022 headline on CBN.com announced, Discovery on Jerusalem Pilgrimage Road proves it was built by the man who crucified Jesus. Excerpts follow. The Roman governor, who was responsible for condemning Jesus of Nazareth to death by crucifixion, also ordered the construction of a street for pilgrims to enter to follow to the Jewish temple more than 2,000 years ago. National Geographic reports that historians previously thought it was the uh, Roman-appointed King Herod the Great who approved most of the large construction projects that remade ancient Jerusalem into a major pilgrimage and tourist center. But a recent analysis of more than 100 coins found beneath the stepped street point to the start and completion of the effort was under Pontius Pilate, who ruled for about a decade starting in A.D. 26 or 27. Coins discovered in the past few years beneath the paving stones date to around A.D. 31. The most common Jerusalem coins from the first century were minted after 40, so not having them beneath the street means the street was built before their appearance, in other words, only in the time of Pilate, Donald Ariel, a coin expert with the Israel Antiquities Authority, told the magazine. The road took 10 years for the Romans to build. When it was completed, it ran more than a third of a mile long and measured 26 feet wide. More than 10,000 tons of limestone were used in its construction, end of quote. Pontius Pilate, Jesus Christ, absolutely. The critics continue to criticize, yet have only failure and will continue to have only failure to show for their demented efforts to dethrone the Christ of glory. They display such strident and unlearned foolishness. Saints, be of good cheer. God's word is true and righteous altogether, every jot and every tittle. This is a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Luke 17, 20 and 21, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. 
God said, Isaiah 28, verse 9, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Man said, I'm living the dream. No responsibility. I can fornicate without fear. The girls I hang with have ways to make sure they don't get pregnant. And if one slips by, they'll just terminate the baby in the womb. Cool, right? Now you have the record.